having a party at the back. And I also trolls. Let's just pray. Father God, thank you that you are our hope, that you are our life, that you are our joy, that you are everything for us. Lord, thank you that you are working in the most impossible places. Lord, that you work in the, minis uh, the ministry of the, the prisons, Lord, to, to bring people to yourself. And thank you that you work in the impossible place of our own hearts to draw us closer to you, to change us, to be in your image that you have adopted us to be your children. Lord, as we look at this, this wonderful book of Romans, Father, I pray that you would help us to really understand what it is that we follow. Lord, that you would help us to understand what the gospel is and why it is so important. Lord, I, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds and our ears Holy Spirit, I, I dare to ask that you would even speak through my words. Amen. Can you imagine, well, I think a few of you can, having lived your life and you get to that age where you are suddenly wise. <laughs> the letter of Romans is, is one of the most fantastic letters in the Bible. It's, it's the book, uh, if, if you actually go through history and look through people who have been impacted by the book of Romans. Romans is the book that Luther was reading as he was struggling to figure out how a God of wrath could be for him and he came across Romans chapter 1, I think it's verse 16, and he suddenly realized that righteousness is by faith alone. Brilliant stuff. A little bit later, Charles Spurgeon, what was it that convinced him that God has a plan and a purpose for his life? Romans. And I believe there's even a link back to Luther. You know what? There are just so many people who read the book of Romans and come to understand just how high and how great and how majestic is the love of God our Father. Now the book of Romans, I think one of the reasons why it's just such a fantastic summary of what the Christian faith is, is because it's written by Paul towards the end of his ministry. Here is a man who has spent years upon years traveling through the provinces of Asia, speaking forth the gospel. Here is a man who has sat through and thought through the intricacies of, of what God's love means for us. Here is a man who, who uh, we know from his letters, he's a fantastic thinker, a fantastic theologian, a fantastic man after God's own heart, and he's come towards the end of his ministry, the end of his life, and, and we just have this distilled truth in the book of Romans. Romans is written to the church in Rome, obviously, because Paul, having finished his work in the provinces of Asia, wants to go across to Spain. He wants to go to the furthest western province of the Roman Empire, almost. I suppose England doesn't really count. But he wants to go across and he wants to take the gospel to places which haven't heard it yet. And part of that means that, that can he go to Rome and maybe have them be his sending church. Remember he's had Antioch as his mission base for Asia. Now he wants Rome to send him out. One problem 
Paul's never been to Rome. The church in Rome is one that, that really he's had nothing to do with. Oh, a few people have come and visited him, and a few people have traveled to and fro, and he's got a few contacts, but by and large, the church in Rome is, is a church with which Paul has no connections other than that they are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so what Paul does is he writes them this letter. It's a letter, it's a letter almost of introduction. Paul saying, this is who I am. But it's also a letter of saying, and this is what I believe. Uh, it, it's, it's Paul's putting himself on the line for the Roman church so that they can know that they are on the same side as him. Uh, you know, you get a lot of people who, who come and say, right, we want your church to sponsor us to be missionaries. And that's wonderful, but, but we really need to first check, are they being missionaries of the gospel? Are they people who are witnessing to Christ, to the truth? And what Paul is doing in Romans is saying, yes, here are my credentials. Will you join me? Little does Paul realize, well, I, I think he knew somewhere a little bit later that, that he wasn't going to go to Spain, that he would end his life in Rome, in jail, but supported by this church. You know the fantastic thing when he's being taken to Rome by the Romans in prison, he's met by Christians from the Roman church who escort him into the city. So let's have a look. What is Paul actually saying? Uh, great book, Romans. It's Paul's longest letter, over 7,000 words, but a brilliant, brilliant book. Now, normally when we write a letter, we, we've got a bit of a format that we follow. We say, dear Joe Bloggs, uh, how are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. Love, Nicholas. Or sincerely, Nicholas. Or some rather formal ending, if you want. Uh, ancient letters, they've also got this structure. A little bit other way around. They usually go, from Paul to the Romans. How you doing? Oh, not how you doing, how's it? <laughs> From Paul to the Romans, how are you doing? It's usually in the letters of that day, that short. Three words, maybe a sentence. But here in the, in the opening of Romans, the first six verses, the first seven verses actually, form Paul's opening to the letter. This is the introductions. So we're doing a sermon on the from Paul to the Romans, how are you doing? And we're doing a sermon on it because what Paul has done is he's expanded this greeting to really give them a, a summary of who he is and the gospel which he preaches. And so many of the themes which come up in Romans come up in the first seven verses of this book. So let's have a look. What does Paul say about himself? He says, this letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. So there says Paul, I've got three offices in which I stand here. Three ways you can describe me. One, I am a slave. Two, I am an apostle of God. Three, I am someone who has been set apart for the good news of God. First off, he says, I'm a slave. Some translations say servant, but the word is slave. I am a slave. I am someone who is absolutely, unequivocally at the command and the behest of my master. 
Where he says, go, I will go. Says Paul, it's not that I'm this important person who wants to come and visit Rome. No, says Paul, I am a slave. It's not me who's important, it's the one who sends me that is important. And, and, and it's, a, it's a statement of humility, but, you know, to be a slave is nothing to be ashamed of. I didn't realize until this week that um, slaves could have quite a high status in Roman society. In fact, there's records of, uh, of uh, women marrying a slave so that they could improve their social status. Because if you were a slave in Caesar's house, whoo, you were important. Paul says, I am a slave. But I'm not just any slave. I am a slave of Jesus Christ, my Lord and your Lord. And I'm a slave who has been called to be an apostle. I'm a slave who has been called to be a messenger of God. God himself has set me apart to take out this word. In fact, Galatians 1 verse 15, Paul says, Since before I was born, God chose me. God has set him apart to be the one who can take the good news to the Gentile world. He's a slave, but he's a slave on a mission. He's a slave who has seen the master face to face, seen the resurrected Jesus. He's one who has been set apart for the gospel. And you'll notice a little bit later, Paul, Paul comes back to this and he says throughout his letter, you know what? You too are slaves. In fact, quite often in, in the book of Romans, we've got this imagery of slavery. Are you a slave to God or are you a slave to sin? says Paul right from the beginning, I am a slave to the Lord Jesus Christ. says Paul, I have been set apart. Later on in the book of Romans, you too have been set apart. You have been chosen to be part of Israel, God's chosen people, a holy nation. says Paul, I have been called to be an apostle. But verse 6 of chapter 1, and so, oh, so verse 6 or verse 7, you too have been called to be God's holy people. So says Paul, uh, all the things that I am, except for an apostle, that's, that's especially my grace that God has given me, this gracious calling of being an apostle, but everything else you have also received. He goes on. This is, he says, this is who I am. Let me tell you what it is that I'm going to speak to you. I'm here to speak about the gospel. Now you're getting tired and cold and, you, and you're saying, right, we know what the gospel is, Nick. We've had enough of this. <laughs> but what is the gospel? Uh, great book, John Stott, on, on Romans, and he, he points out six things of the gospel here. He says, first off, Paul says that the gospel is of God. You know what, it, so many religions out there in the world today are just gospels that have been made up. Good news, so-called, which, which some person dreamed up in their sleep. Um, Eastern mysticism, ooh, what a wonderful idea. Who came up with it? Joe Bloggs or, or the Buddha down the road or whatever. But says Paul right from the good, right from the get-go, the gospel of which I am a messenger and an apostle 
is of God. And really, if you look through the, through the book of, of Romans, letter of Romans, it is a book that is entirely about God. It's about what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. It's about God's love for us in Jesus Christ. It's about God's promises towards us in Jesus Christ. It's about God's graciousness towards us. It's about God's giving us faith and hope. This is a book about the gospel of God. And it's not a a Johnny-come-lately gospel. It's the second thing that Paul points out. This gospel, which is of God, has been long foretold by the prophets in the Scriptures. This this is not something which is new. This is not something which, which came out of nowhere. No, says Paul, this gospel of which I am a messenger is the gospel which God has been promising since way back when. Genesis chapter 3, where God says to the serpent, the the, the man will stand on your head and you will bite at his heel, and he will, I mean, the gospel right there. This is the gospel, says Paul, which is long foretold. Promised ahead of time. which is one of the things which really separates Christianity from other religions. Because ours is a, is a faith that is historical. You know what? If what we believe is true, then it must always have been true. Surely that is such a strong argument against those religions which started in the 50s, 1950s, the 1850s, against Mormonism with their new revelation, even against uh, Islam with Muhammad who got a, a new revelation. It's not a new revelation. Well, it is a new revelation, but, but where's the link back? Where's the link back? Says Paul, no, when I speak about Jesus Christ, when I speak about the gospel, when I speak about what it is that God has done for us, it's not as if it's a new thing which I've invented. It's of God. It's according to the scriptures. I can go back and I can see in every page of the Old Testament, there is Jesus promised. Jesus himself on that road with the two disciples, what did he do? He opened up the scriptures with them and and showed them how it spoke about him. You, You know what? The Old Testament is something which we should really treasure because every page speaks to Jesus. Every page speaks to Jesus. And we've got a thing put on the, uh, on the lectern here, uh, John 12, 21, Sir, we want to meet Jesus. It's there because to remind the, the person preaching that everything that we preach on is about Jesus. Everything that we say is about Jesus. The gospel on which we have placed our faith is about Jesus and it has been foretold since Adam and Eve. That's amazing. Doesn't that just make you want to smile? That God has been planning our salvation since forever? Since before time? Brilliant. 
It's according to the scriptures. It's of God. And, and as we've just said, it is about Jesus. And listen to verse 3. The good news is about his son, the son of God. In his earthly life, born into King David's family line. Shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Calvin said that if we take Jesus out of the picture, we are no longer speaking about the gospel. Kind of obvious, but without Jesus, there is no good news. Now, what, was, what does Paul tell us about Jesus? He, this is a fantastic couple of verses. He says, Jesus is fully human. He says he was born into the family line of David. He was born into this line of the promise. Remember, God promised to King David that he would always have a, a, an heir on the throne. And along comes Jesus and says, Paul, look, here is the one born into the line of David. According to the flesh. According to his earthly life is how most of our translations put it. According to all that is broken and rotten and fallen, the son of man but says Jesus says Paul here is also the one who at his resurrection was declared by the Holy Spirit to be the son of God in power was appointed to be the son of God in power by the Holy Spirit uh, every translation will have a slightly different version of that verse because the Greek is very complex but, but I think what Paul is trying to get at is that Jesus Christ is fully human, fully God. He came and he walked among us. And when he was resurrected from the dead, something changed. Something changed at the resurrection. I don't know how it works. I don't know how it happened. But Jesus, who was the Son of God since before the world began, was now appointed by the Holy Spirit, the powerful Son of God, the Lord of us all, the one who brings salvation, the Christ. Says Paul, here is the one who is man and God, who is, who is the promised heir, but is also the Savior. Yeah, a promised heir is no good if you don't have somebody to save you. A righteous king is no good if you don't have God to forgive you. And says Paul, here he is, the man who is God, the God who is man. And this, says Paul, is my gospel. This is the good news. This is the one. And I just love how he finishes there. This is Jesus Christ, our Lord. He just, he calls, uh, I love Paul because he does it quite often. He's sort of he gets going with his argument. He gets going, gets going, and he gets so excited. This is our Lord! Woohoo! And to be fair, this is all one sentence. So he's, it's like in a brackets. This is our Lord. Woohoo! <laughs> this is Jesus. 
This is Jesus who has been raised from the dead by the Holy Spirit. By the same Spirit who will raise us from the dead. According to Romans 8, verse 11. The resurrection for Paul is so vital. That's why he doesn't really really speak about the, the death that's implied. But for Paul, the resurrection of Jesus. The defeating of death. So what do we got? We've got that the gospel is of God. We've got that the gospel is according to the scriptures long foretold. We've got that the gospel is about Jesus. What does Paul say? He says that this gospel is for all the nations of this world. He says in verse 5, Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey Him, bringing glory to His name. I think Paul is speaking here as, you know, like a royal we. Uh, we have been given this right. He's, he's really speaking for himself. As an apostle, says Paul, God has given me this fantastic right to tell the Gentiles about what God has done, to tell them about how they can be saved, how they can have life. And this is really a, a key point that we'll see as we'll come through Romans, that the gospel is not just for some people. The gospel, says Paul, is for everyone. The barriers and the divides which used to be there have been shattered, have been broken. I love that quote that you read from from Isaiah slash uh, slash Luke 4, where Jesus said, I've come to bring uh, sight to the blind, to proclaim the, I'm misquoting now, proclaim the day of the Lord's favor, to set the prisoners free, change the order around to make it right. Says Paul, this gospel is not just for the people we think it should be for, it's for everyone. And we'll see that as you read through Romans, and I encourage you to read through Romans this week. Just this, this statement again and again and again the gospel is for all. So, what do we got? The gospel is of God. The gospel is according to the scriptures. The gospel is about Jesus. The gospel is for all the nations. And the gospel is for the purpose of the obedience of faith. And what does this mean? What is the obedience of faith? Maybe it's that, that we need to have faith and then we need to obey God. So the obedience that comes from faith. So we're told that, that Abraham, for instance, believed God and then obeyed him. Obedience that comes from faith. Maybe, maybe Paul means the purpose of his gospel is that the people will come to faith so that they will obey the gospel. So obedience is faith. I think for Paul, the reason he's telling the gospel is so that people will believe and obey. And obey and believe. To obey can only be done if you have faith in God. To have faith in God means obeying the gospel. And this is what Paul is saying to us, is the gospel is is something which, which changes our whole lives. It's not a nice idea that we sign up for. It's something which takes obedience. And it's obedience which is of faith. 
So we have God empowering us to obey Him. But, but the gospel is something which we do, which we obey. And Paul's final point. The big reason why he goes about his job as an apostle is that he wants to honor and glorify the name of Jesus Christ. I mean, why do we go about telling people about, about Jesus? Do we go because we want them to be saved? We don't want our friends and families to go to hell? Yes. Is that a bad reason? No. Paul says, my, my purpose is that people will come to this obedience of faith. But for Paul, and I think it challenges for us, the real motivation for all that we do, for all that we do as slaves of Christ, should be the glory and the honor of, Christ, of God's name, of Christ's name. Just this week, I was sitting down with somebody and, and he was saying to me, you know, I get really upset when I watch the TV or when I, I sit and I listen to people because all I hear is, oh my God, oh my God this, oh my God that, oh my God this. And this guy said to me, and it makes me so angry because they are using God's name like that. And my first impression was, well, it's not our God that they're speaking to, but, but you know, I think he's right. And I must say it upsets me as well when I hear it. Even if they are not speaking about the God whom I know, it upsets me to think that they could treat God like that. To think that, that they could use his name as a swear word sometimes. We sang it, and, and it's a great line of scripture. At, at Jesus' return, every knee shall bow, every heart will know, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. See, that, that is the grand plan and purpose of what God has done. He's come to save us. Why? Because we're so good? Because we deserve it? Of course not. He's come to save us because of who He is. He's come to save us so that His name will be lifted higher than any other. So that His name will be glorified. That is God's ultimate plan and purpose of the gospel is the glorification of His Son. And if that is God's ultimate plan and purpose, shouldn't it be ours as well? So why should we take the gospel to our friends and neighbors? Because if they become Christians, it will be a glorification of Christ. So why should we live our lives in obedience of faith? Because it makes us better people? Well, yes, it does, but no, because that will bring glory to the God who gives us life and gives us faith. I guess the challenge, as I read Paul, the thing which, which was on the front of his pulpit was how may I glorify God? How may I lift him up? And for Paul, that was clear. I will glorify God by bringing and sharing the good news with other people so that they will come to know Him and they will praise Him and they will glorify Him. That's what we're on about. 
That's what we're on about, to glorify God. From Paul, slave, apostle, set apart one. The one with the message which is of God, long foretold, about his son, for all the nations. For the obedience of faith. So that his name might be honored. To the Romans and to Covent Bay Baptist, grace and peace be to you. Amen.